Welcome to the Cannabivarum Podcast, the Cannabis Truth Podcast. I speak the language of cannabis freely and uncensored while educating my audience on the safe use of this live plant therapy. You should know what's in your cannabis, what's good and what's not. It does not come with an FDA stamp of approval yet. Using cannabis mindfully as a medication is a different concept, and Western healthcare philosophy, specifically of the past 100 years, there's a lot to learn and reconsider. The information you'll find here comes straight from the scientists and clinicians doing the work and reporting their findings in real time through various online outlets. The scientific truth of cannabis is finally getting out and is wide open for all to see at respected medical sites like PubMed.gov and JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association. And I'm right there in the thick of it with all those titans of medicine. As a fly on the wall, Because I'm not a doctor, I didn't go to med school. I took dozens of private cannabis courses offered by cannabis scientists online over the past few years and slowly began to understand the bigger picture. But I'm not a medical doctor or scientist. Oh, I can talk to one about cannabis and hopefully inspire more doctors and patients alike to research the facts as we know them today and decide alternative health care paths for themselves. This is Honey Smith Walls, a 21st century cannabis shaman, not a doctor, not a scientist, just here to explain the great big story and the language of cannabis in its historical, political, and scientific terms so you can make educated decisions about the medicine you choose to ingest. I'm so tickled that you're here today. Mike Tucker has come back to chat with us about his brand new book. And oh my gosh, you're talking about a man who has lived every experience you will read about in all 50 of his books. He is an amazing writer, a wonderful poet, a rogue warrior, and a cannabis advocate. And he even talks about enjoying the sacred herb in his books. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're really going to enjoy Mike Tucker's stories. Let's go see what they are now. My friend of Cannabivarum and cannabis advocate and writer extraordinaire. How are you today? Yippee-ki-yay-ki-yippee-yay. Oh, you just make me want to howl like a wolf. There you go. If the the state of New Mexico allowed me to, then as I did after hostage rescue missions in Burma, returning to sanctuary and with the lives that we saved, thank God, in late 92 and early 93, deep in northern Thailand in the hills where the Lord hides, as the Spanish say, and where the tigers do roam, course i do have a couple tiger stories uh lord have mercy Um, oh my god but uh back then of course as you know uh we we smoked the sacred herb deep in those hills and we passed the bowl around and we were damn happy to be alive and it was it was truly heaven and the folks who say the folks who say that nothing lasts forever have never, and the folks that say that nothing lives forever, 
They've never looked in a child's eyes after saving that child from certain death and from slavery. Um, and, and, you know, honey, we've talked about this before that that kind of um, truth, it just transcends and it's beautiful and it's fantastic. It was an, it was an honor to be on those missions. It was an honor to lead those missions. And, uh, and the sacred herb helped us uh, definitely enjoy that the beautiful night skies where the stars are so close, they feel so close, you can just reach out and touch them that, you know, there's no electricity around for 20, 30 miles, no electricity at all. And my Lord, and next year, the sacred herb is legal for partaking in righteous New Mexico, the land of coyotes and mountain lions and black bears and and beautiful women. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear uh, that. And and there's a huge, you know, rolling machine gearing up and uh, chugging along now for all of the states to pass. You know, you know, Canada did it last year. Mexico's about to do it federally uh, across their whole country. So um, everybody else is getting there before us, but we're chugging along, aren't we, Mike? Amen. Amen. Step by step. And as that great American proverb says, keep chopping at that tree. One day it will fall. And that's that's, yeah. you know, it's like you're saying about the, the, the difference between the, the way that the, the uh, progress is being made federally mm-hmm. in the U.S. as opposed to in other countries. Yeah, uh, it. It's slower and it's step by step and it's state by state, but we will get there. And just just in terms of just in terms of the tax dollars that can invigorate um, depressed every neighborhoods, sing- yeah, and, every and, single, oh, every yeah. single state, exactly. every single person on the planet will benefit yeah. by and, legalizing cannabis. You know, ten thousand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. $10,000 raise at least a year for every teacher, cop, firefighter, nurse, doctor, you know. Tax money for everything. Roger that. Tax money for everything. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just a matter of getting, getting through, past and stomping on the corruption that has held this down for so long. Exactly. Exactly. That's I'm, you. You just nailed it. You nailed it, honey. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm a little frustrated. Frustrated about it all at this particular moment because of the shenanigans that's going on with the Republicans leading this new bill uh, that's trying to deschedule uh, cannabis. If you can imagine, the Republicans are leading that. Mm, but they're mm-hmm. also, you know, their trade-off is 20% uh, of the uh, money goes to uh, fund police. And, and my caveat to that would be, fine, but it's got to go in police education and psychiatry and psychology and handling human beings and situations without guns and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, let's 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 give lots of money to the police. However, the other side of that coin, Mike, is that 
by decriminalizing cannabis, they're already going to be saving gabillions of dollars because they're not arresting people. And we're not using those monies to feed people in prisons, in prisons for profit. Right. Oh, see, it just gets me so pissed off. I'm already starting to turn red in the face. (laughs) Well, you have the the Oklahoma fire and you always run I do, buddy. I do. You sure do. do. Hey, listen. Hey, dear audience. Mike Tucker has a new book. Tell us all about it. Why don't you? Many thanks, honey. I I can't tell you just how delighted and thrilled I am to be on your program again. And uh, and as we discussed, yes, there is there there are a number of cannabis smoking scenes in the uh, in Jake and Olivia. That that's definitely one of the one of the bridges and part of the healing process, especially for Olivia. Um, so so hell yes. Uh-huh. That that connection is there in the book. Jake and Olivia is volume two of the love trilogy. And and it's oh, a wow. yeah, and it's very much it's very much a a story about healing, about Olivia's healing. Olivia is the heart of the book. And the book in that sense, the story in that sense is very much a reflection of a, a saying that my grandfather, both of my grandfathers said to me uh, before they died, my my grandfather, Captain Marshall Barnes, who was a D-Day veteran and who died in 1966. Mm. And then my grandfather, uh, John Tucker, who was a, a, a great farmer and, uh, and, and, a, and a good man, uh, they, they said, put the woman at the center of your world, make her the center of your life. And that advice is in my, in my experience as a man, in my view as a man, especially now is absolutely dead, solid, accurate. And the people I know that have had really strong, lasting, fantastic relationships, right. Are, are, yeah. are men who who simply just did that, like the great Jeffrey Morley Maurer, um, whose love at first sight story with his wife Joan is also in the subconscious of um, of Jake and Olivia. Jake and Olivia mm-hmm. is a love at first sight story, which is different than, of course, the volume one of the love trilogy, Paco and Maria. But every love story is different. Yes, that's and, right. And you also remember what I told you about that, Mike. You don't have any control over who you fall in love with, do you? That's it. This is this is absolutely just like Paco and Maria. You know, in that sense, it's it's this it's the same thing that that connection between all three of the love stories in the love trilogy, Paco and Maria, Jake and Olivia and and Gabriel and Alicia. Oh, um, wow. Right. Which is which is a sequel in a sense of Paco and Maria directly connected to Paco and Maria. You know, those characters, Gabriel and Alicia from Paco and Maria. Uh, So I'll write that in January, but all three of them share that truth. You don't have any control over who you fall in love with, but you have control over what to do with it. And just, and, and just like Paco and Maria, um, of course they grew up together, but that they knew that they had a deep connection and then they they decided obviously uh that they would stay in love and build on that love oh. jake and olivia is is much is is 
similar to uh, Jeffrey and Joan's real story from World War II, where Jeffrey saw Joan just once uh, the, the day before he shipped out for North Africa, as it turned out. He was at church. He saw her at, at mass. And as he as he told me, I knew I knew she was the one people who say there's no such thing as love at first sight. Bollocks. I knew I wanted Joan for my wife. I loved her from that moment. And what I discovered, Mike, and Jeffrey's this big strapping, <laughs> you know, as, 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 I, as I told him a few times, Jeffrey, you got that Viking blood, brother. And he would laugh and he'd say, yes, I've got the Viking blood in me. That's why I'm six foot three, too bloody wide. <laughs> and uh, Jeffrey's this big strapping, um, a jovial, incredibly affable, triple hip uh, scholar, author, warrior, commander, who was my mentor. And, and I first met him doing my BA uh, at James Madison University. And, and Jeffrey, uh, I never forget when he was talking about Joan. He would always, he was always talking about, I guess, Joan, my Welsh goddess. Oh, I love that and, title. And so sadly, she died of cancer in 1968. Mm-hmm. But when when Jeffrey talked about Joan and how they fell in love and just falling in love and as as you say you know deciding what to do about it right mm, yeah um, you know he he was just simply uh, just so passionate about uh, about and I'll never forget he said you realize that there's all kinds of different love stories there's all kinds of different ways that people meet and fall in love and so on. But for me, it was love at first sight. Hey, my friends. I want to give you a tip about somebody I know who will really give you the help you need. Dr. Anthony Mazo Majorcan is an MD, a highly rated neurology specialist and psychiatrist in Melbourne, Florida, with more experience in headache, epilepsy, and HIV issues than other specialists around here. Dr. Mazo was the first clinician to study the cannabis plant and become a medical marijuana physician in Melbourne when it was finally legalized in Florida in 2016. His understanding of the mechanism and effects of this live plant therapy will set you on the path to relief in just no time. Dr. Mazo is not quick to prescribe traditional synthetic chemicals when he knows that gentle cannabis will likely give the necessary relief. I know this to be true because I had to see him for my own neuropathic issues. He did not prescribe synthetics. He told me to get a particular kind of cannabis instead and use it in a specific way to find relief. And that is what every doctor in America should have in their little black bags. Dr. Mazo is not a typical cannabis-naive clinician in this wild, wild west of, you know, unregulated cannabis and, and all of that right now in this particular moment in cannabis history. You see, those doctors will just see you for about five minutes and grant you a Florida cannabis card, but he's not like that. He actually studied the plant and understands it, and his practice has been here for I, I don't know, maybe 20 years or, or something like that in neurology. 
If you're looking for a cannabis expert to help with your real issues, who understands you emotionally as well as physically, he's a brain guy too, remember, a psychiatrist, then call Dr. Mazo. Make an appointment today. He doesn't know I've made this little commercial for him, so be sure and tell him where you heard about him. Just tell him honey sent you. He'll get a real kick out of it. Dr. Mazo Mayorkin specializes in cannabis therapy, neurology, and sleep medicine. He's rated 5 out of 5 on the Care Dash, a patient's review site of clinicians. And he accepts telehealth appointments as long as it's still legal. Not sure about the rolling legislation right now, but he does <clears throat> if he can legally and is affiliated with uh, the Hospital First Homes Regional Medical Center here in Melbourne. His clinic details, the Brevard Neuro Center. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard about it already. It's been here forever. Dr. Anthony Mazzo, an MD. The phone number, and I'll have all this in the show notes, 321-733-2711. He's off on NASA Boulevard, you know, that um, real nice street down there in the main part of Melbourne, 315 East NASA Boulevard uh, in Melbourne. Great staff he's got, too. You're really going to enjoy your experience with Dr. Mazzo because he's going to help you feel better. Hey friends, I can't wait to bring more exciting cannabis news and conversations to you. And with the pandemic coming down to a quiet rage next year, I'm planning on visiting some wonderful businesses in this industry to show you a peek behind the curtain, how it's growing, and what you need to be aware of. For instance, I'm very wary of D8 products being sold over the counter. It's an isomer. So by law, it's illegal to sell it over the counter, no matter what the store tells you. And if you bought somewhere other than a licensed dispensary, it has not been tested for contamination and content. And it was most likely made by some armchair chemist working out of his garage. You're welcome. The point is, we must vet our sources. And that's why I'm here. To show you how. Don't buy your cannabis products from the dollar store or gas station. Just don't. Your health is worth so much more respect. So because of all the new activity coming up in the new year for us, I'm going to cut back to one episode of the Cannabivarum show per week so that I may bring you more exciting news from the field. We're going to have some wonderful adventures in cannabis. I can't wait for you to find out along with me. Pax Vobiscum, my friends. So when he, he went to North Africa the next day and Joan didn't know, right? Joan didn't know that he was shipping out. Oh. And, and, he, and, now, and then he was in North Africa. This was uh, late 39 going into 40. And he, he wrote letters back hoping they'd get to her and that she'd read them right yeah. and and meanwhile he knew before he left that there was a major on that base who had eyes for it. well jeffrey when he shipped out was a what the british call it in the raf a sub-lieutenant uh -huh. so um after his stellar uh record in combat he he was he 
he earned his spurs, as they say out west, and he be, he became regarded as the very best British reconnaissance pilot, the most daring, the boldest, the smartest in North Africa, the most valuable to the RAF. And he was going up against Rommel, of course, you know, in in his reconnaissance all the time. Wow. So so Jeffrey, um, his his commander pulled him aside. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was the fall of 1940. And his commander pulled him aside and said, Molly Mao, we've got a flight of six Hawker Hurricanes that need to be repaired, completely refitted in northern India. I understand you would like to return to northern India for uh, a bit of rest, old boy. <laughs> and Jeffrey looked at the guy and said, bloody right. I'll I'll need that. I'll I'll need that detail, sir. Nice. Right. I I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that, Jeffrey. All right, then. Uh, You're you're flying tomorrow. So the next day they flew. Just the story of the the journey is incredible. Um, I've I've used it in a couple books. uh, When when they were refueling in uh, Saudi Arabia and also in the UAE, Uh there was a, a, a blackout of course, um, because because the Germans had spies all over the, the, the Near East and Middle East, including on the Arabian Peninsula. And Jeffrey flew that detail in, led that detail into to small remote air bases where there were absolutely no lights. And the only reason he was able to land was because with, by, by uh, navigation, he went to a specific point, believing that underneath him, there's a small remote airfield. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then it was all, it was in counterterrorism, we call this all, all set point, which means these are time hacks and it's all coordinated in advance. Wow. And, and there's nothing electronic about it. And it's one of the reasons I'm alive, because I was quite fortunately pretty good at, at set point stuff. Um, wow. And then, so... What he would do is at that set time that he's over that airfield and all he's got is his altitude and his watch, right? And, uh-huh. and his navigation. Then they would hear the planes, the, the RAF crew on the ground would hear the planes and light uh, old oil barrels full of gas gas or diesel gas soaked rags and they would just toss cigarette lighters in there one after the other running from 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 barrel to barrel and he would see the the barrels light up you know like like a chain of light right in the desert and then then he he he'd call to his detail okay you know we're going down and they'd land and the minute that the last plane in that detail landed, then those same uh, that same RF crew in the desert was was capping the barrels with these big old steel plates and and turning the lights out, so to speak, you know, cutting off the fire. So he got to northern India and he went to the officers club. And and yes, this is in uh, Jake and Olivia. Because Jake and Levy, one of the things about it is these great, you know, a great love story, a love story within a love story, which is a similar thing to uh, Paco and Maria. Paco and Maria had other love stories within the love story. 
And so this one does too. Uh-huh. And, and so you'll see this with Jeffrey's name and everything um, and Joan. And so he got there at about six in the evening, right? And mm-hmm. the sun is starting to go down in Northern India. It's late fall, 1940. He's been in combat against the Nazis for, you know, God, basically a year up against Rommel. And he went right to the officer's mess. And this is how he described it. So I got out of my hawker. I checked the lads and I said, well done, boys. I'm going to the officer's mess. Do not follow me. One of the lads said to me, sir. And by then, if I'm not mistaken, he was a captain by then. He, he, had, he had gotten promoted twice if I'm yeah. not mistaken, because of his, his, his record in combat. And one of his lieutenants said, sir, uh, but it, it's been a hell of a long flight and we didn't have anything to drink in Saudi Arabia, UAE. And, you know, we we were talking in, in the UAE in, in the desert and we said, we'd like to we'd like to buy you a drink. We'd like to buy you a drink, sir. And, and Jeffrey said, I looked at that lieutenant and I smiled and I said, that's very kind of you. And men, I appreciate that but I have business to take care of. <laughs> so is he, he, he knew Joan would be there because he of was, course. he was, she, she was still seeing the major and, and so on. And his letters, as it turned out, none of his letters got through. But, oh, you know, no. and that was especially in wartime back then. Right. And, and so none of his letters got through, but he still was, was, eager just in in madly in love with Joan and as he put it Joan was what I was fighting for Joan was my whole world I put her at the center of my world as you say Mike your grandfathers were right I put her at the center of my world Joan was everything my Welsh goddess so he goes, <laughs> yeah he, he walks into the officer's mess and and there was Joan, as this is how you put it. Joan was there at the bar on the arm of the major. And I walked right up to, to them. I looked him in the eyes. Joan had her back to me. She did not know I was there. And I looked at this major and I said, Major, God bless you. I have business with this lady. And she turned and her face was just, it was like a tidal wave. My God, her eyes were so bright. And she looked at me in the eyes and she said, Jeffrey, you're alive, you're here. And she grabbed my, my right arm with both of her hands. And then she turned quickly to the major and she said, Major, goodbye. <laughs> Oh my God, that's wonderful! Yeah, so they, oh, so they, they, that's wonderful. And, and, Mike, when is this book coming out? Okay, so so Jake and Olivia will will come out uh, December the it'll it'll be December the sixth, which is a Monday, if I'm not mistaken, right? Fantastic! Yeah, yeah, and and to to wrap that story up real quick, um, you'll love this, um, and thank you so much uh, for for um, for for bringing Jake and Olivia to the world before it oh, gets out. But um, what, when they got outside, it was incredible. As, as Jeffrey said, 
we got outside and the stars were so magnificent. You know, the stars are beautiful every night, but I never saw more beautiful stars in the night than that night. And before I could say anything, Joan dug her fingernails into my back. Yes, we had embraced and kissed. And she looked me in the eyes and she said, Jeffrey, that day in church, I wanted you. I saw you. I knew it was you. And then it hit me. It was the same for her. You see, it was, it was love at first sight for both of us. My God. And so that is my love story. <laughs> oh, my. That's so yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Something else, huh? Something else. It is. Yeah. I, I, I love the story between them. It's just, it's just riveting and i can see them and hear them through your voice as well through your voices it's so much fun to hear about your books many thanks Thank many so thanks much for bringing them out to us no i know my audience will love picking up that book and having a really great love story read and yeah. they'll be able to find it on amazon like your others mike you oh, yeah yeah absolutely amazon, right, right. amazon.com Yes, Jake and Olivia is coming out in paperback on Amazon.com uh, in in the U.S., Canada, and if and also the U.K. Uh, straight away, and it is very much it is very much Olivia's journey of healing. Olivia, whose whose parents have died from COVID before the vaccines came out, they died in the pandemic. She's only twenty one, and she was an only child, and. And she is just beginning to heal from that. And all that was in December in 2020. Right. We see we see Jake and Olivia in Capistrano, Italy, in the first week of December 2021, this year. And Jake is, the, the book is also a tribute to the September 11th generation. Olivia is a young artist who was an only child and her mother and father died from COVID in Milan in, in uh, December 2020, on December 1st, 2020. And so her, on her mother's side, there was a home in Capistrano. And she's, she's moved away from Milan because, as she tells Jake, it just reminded me too much of, of my parents. Mm. And... And you'll you'll see in the book, you know, what she's healing from. Of course, it's it's more than that. Yeah. Uh, and and then so when so the, the, that's the very the very core of the book is Olivia's healing. Mm. But it's also, and I knew this from the beginning when when I came up with the idea for it, and and when it it just came to me. Um, Jake is every September eleventh generation sniper that I was in combat with and I was on missions with uh, and he is he is uh he the book the book in, in is very much in that way also mm -hmm. a tribute to the September 11th generation mm -hmm. and so the 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 connection between them is immediate and electric and and I'm not going to give the story away but you're yeah. gonna love it I know I am. Mike, I can't thank you enough for bringing another really great story to our audience. And it's so nice to chat with you about it. Thank you for coming. We just love to hear from you. 
Thank you so much, honey, for for putting a spotlight on Jake and Olivia, the two star-crossed lovers and love rocks <laughs> and love heels. Jake and Olivia, yay. It does indeed. We'll be looking for it. Thank you so much, honey, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, honey. God bless you. Hey, it's me again. I just keep forgetting to ask you, dear audience, if you would mind just taking a moment to go to your particular platform, whether it's Apple or Spotify or whoever you listen to your podcast on, and liking my program, maybe leaving a little comment. Gosh, you know how it works. It's so helpful to my business if you just leave a little comment or or especially a like. Thank you so much. You know how much I appreciate you. been listening to another Cannabivarum podcast with 21st century cannabis shaman Honey Smith Walls, that's me, about the importance of using safe hemp and marijuana products. The process of taking your records with your symptoms and diagnosis to a cannabis specialist can lead you to the correct cannabinoid therapy for your best results. Otherwise, you're just your own guinea pig looking for answers without any foundational knowledge or ability to determine the best choices. Unless otherwise proven by a reputable third-party lab test, please be advised that all street weed is contaminated. It may do grave harm to a patient with a delicate immune system like mine. I challenge you to check the veracity of my statements in each episode by checking the medical citations posted on my blog, the Cannabivarum.com website. That's C-A-N-N-A-B-A-V-E-R-U-M.com.